In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. A number of years ago, I was on a plane ride. I forget where I was going, but I could not help but overhear some gentlemen a couple rows ahead of me. They were not being obnoxiously loud, but they were not being quiet. And I overheard them speaking of how they had different churches and how they were different pastors at these different Protestant denominations or some megachurch, I think. And they were boasting of the numbers of people they had coming to their services and involved in different ministries. And they went on quite a while, going back and forth, almost trying to one-up each other, I think. Boasting in all of the numbers. I thought after a while, is that what St. Paul is talking about when he speaks of boasting in his letters? And then says it's foolish unless we boast in the cross of Christ. To glory in the Lord because of our infirmities, not because of what we think we have done. Hearing that conversation, I was tempted to join in their foolishness, comparing their few thousand people with the billions of Catholics throughout our history. I could legitimately boast before them of the apostolic succession that connects us with the apostles and Christ himself. I could boast of the many saints, the consistent teaching, the beauty that comes from our Catholic tradition. And while all of those things may be true, I would have been foolish in boasting in that was my only reason of authenticity. Paul gets to the truth of that sincerity or authenticity. And it comes from sharing in Christ's suffering. Not worldly measurements of success. We too are then authentic when we boast in how we are united to Christ and his cross. Now we do not do this in a prideful way, trying to one-up how much I might be suffering more than you. We must authentically look at ourselves, recognizing how the Lord is at work and how we are connected to him in his cross to be brought to resurrection through the Paschal Mystery. That is the Christian life. That is what Paul is saying. And the way we do that is through his holy church. The sacraments, the penances we do, following the commandments of the Lord and the church's teachings. But all of it leads us to the person of Christ. This is Paul's point, which he takes some length to make clear. The Corinthians were dealing with some intruders in their community, proclaiming a different gospel and boasting of their many accomplishments. And the Corinthians were starting to fall for it, looking at things through worldly eyes. And then they turned to Paul 
and saw him as then inauthentic. And they would demean him because he wasn't like the other people. And so Paul gives them this boast, which is not a boast at all, but a clever way of reminding the Corinthians of what is important. Christ's power is made perfect in weakness, not in worldly measurements of success. Even as we are grateful for God's work in bringing numbers to him, we want everyone to be a part of God's family through baptism and in the church. But our goal is unity and communion in Christ first. Think of St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. Did she go out with a priority of gathering as many sisters to herself as possible in order to purvey this kind of huge, uh, huge movement in the church? No. Her focus was Christ and seeing him in the poor. The rest happened because of God's grace and her faithfulness. Further, in the eyes of the world, she seemed weak, doing worthless work in the slums of Calcutta. And yet God's power shone through her and has changed the world for the better. A smaller example. A number of years ago, some may remember Father Swirsky. He lived here at St. Sebastian. When I was here as a parochial vicar, there was a certain midnight mass. Father Valenchek was the main celebrant. Father Swirsky and I were concelebrating. And Father Swirsky was getting older and had difficulty on the steps. So part of my job was to help him up and down the steps. After this beautiful Christmas midnight mass, a parishioner came and said, Father, everything was so beautiful. The homily was great. The organ, the choir, the celebration brought us into God's presence and was magnificent. And then he said, but the part that moved me the most was when Father helped Father Swirsky down the steps. Through weakness, God shows his grace and power in the simple little things. Those who suffer from alcoholism or are addicted to drugs and try to come to the Lord and they go to AA meetings, some would say, look at that bunch of weak people. I say there's more strength there than on an NFL football team. St. Paul wants to reorient our priorities. Christ is first and reliance on him is paramount. He gives his own personal example. He asks that the thorn be removed. He has the thorn in his flesh, some temptation perhaps. He's looking at it worldly, and he asks that it may be removed. And what does God say? My grace is sufficient for you. The thorn will stay. It teaches Paul and us to rely on God's grace. Because it's precisely through the weakness 
It's through the temptations, the thorns that prick us, that we become holy. And through the weakness, God shows his power. The pattern of this power through weakness comes from Christ. He who shed himself of glory and became weak. He didn't take on the weakness that we have from concupiscence or sin. But he became a slave, weak, able to suffer. And through the resurrection, he has power over it. We participate in that very mystery through our baptism. We go through Christ's death and new life. Through weakness comes his power. And thus, like St. Paul, we boast in the cross of Christ and in him alone. One final point that might help us. Very recently, I think just a day or two ago, the woman who was named Jane Roe, who was partially responsible for the Roe versus Wade decision that brought abortion, made abortion legal in our country. Her name is Norma McCorvey, and she died. However, she is not unlike St. Paul, whereas at the beginning, she was a huge promoter of abortion. She had a conversion experience and came around to advocating the pro-life position. Furthermore, she then came into full communion with the Catholic Church. I'd like to read you a quote of hers upon coming into God's family fully. She said this about the Mass in particular. I had been taught what this meant. Jesus was not dying again. Rather, he was drawing us into his sacrifice making it present to us, allowing us to join our lives, our sufferings to his. This was and is the sacrifice that saves the world, that conquers the power of death and destroys the power of abortion. There and then I could place in the chalice all the tears I had ever shed over the aborted babies, all the shame I ever felt from having worked in an abortion clinic and having been a poster girl for the pro-death movement, there and then, just as the bread and wine were being transformed into the body and blood of Christ, the former Jane Roe could once again rejoice in her own transformation into a new creature in Christ. This is the hope of the Christian life. Through our weakness and infirmities, our failures and even our sins, God can work his providence and his power. May we be united to Christ and his cross always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.